The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In. You have always been a voice of reason through all of this. Appreciate your time, what you're doing for America. I give you advice. And doesn't work at all. You are definitely not inept by any means. I like to hear women say that about me. Whatever advice you're going to send my way, I am 100% taking it. I can't tell you what to do. I will not tell you what to do. Okay. Well, thanks. That wasn't the answer I wanted. Are you kidding me? Great stuff, Dr. Ray. Glad I called. I've scheduled my day around listening to your radio show. <laughs> you don't have to laugh so hard. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. Think about that. That wasn't the answer I wanted. Well, if you want a certain answer, you don't have to ask anybody for an answer because you couldn't get what you want. You've already got what you want in your approach. Hey, I got to say hi to, I'm assuming, now I don't know that they do this with any regularity, but the folks at Salt and Light Radio in Boise, notice how I pronounce that, Boise, I'm not a geographic illiterate like Jack Williams thinks, I don't say Boise, Boise, and I warned them that there is movement afoot to change the name of the town, yeah, yeah, it's rather, rather gender insensitive. Either person see, people see, or they see uh, the way they're going to uh, consider this. But anyway, it's really nice hearing from them. So here we go 877 573 7825. No introduction on the phone number. That's what you have to call to get on to the program. I had to grovel, scrape, claw my way into getting on radio. I think it's rather inequitable that all you people have to do is call a number. Interestingly enough, though, me calling a number many years ago is what got me this program. Not making this up. There was a, a local Catholic radio affiliate, which is, which is now, by the way, The Rock in Cleveland. But back then, it was uh, run by another group. There was a fella named Bob who would frequently asked me to be a guest he was approached by someone in catholic media said do you know anybody who might want to host a show he said there's a guy that comes on roy ganuti or ron ganoli or rick gandhi or whatever the dude's name is you might want to contact him so they did they contacted me, and I was so excited to hear about this, and I peremptorily said no. I did. I refused. I didn't want to be tied to a microphone. At that time, I was speaking maybe 100, 125 times a year, and speaking is a, is a nice little way to make a living. It's pretty easy, and you get to see the whole country. But my wife convinced me. She's, my wife always makes wise decisions except one she made about 39 years ago that uh, she's still getting over. But she said, try it for six months. So I did. Tried it for six months and was uh, stunned at the power of Catholic media. So, good Lord permitting, here I am today. 
50-70 equal if you want to ask something about your life, your circumstances, other people in it. If you have a comment to help someone else out, those are very, very nice things that you do. You get, you do get a little extra days off of purgatory, I think, on that, even over and above having to listen to me, because that can get you some days off purgatory, too. Uh, or if you have a generic question. I really like the generic questions. We, we had one yesterday. A guy said he's a convert to the Catholic faith, and he was struggling because he had just lost two of his favorite pets. He was struggling because he was of the belief that the church taught dogs don't have souls. Well, they do. They just don't have rational souls like us. So I think that was a generic question. I got a chance to bark up the tree on that one. <clears throat> All right, 877 57 equal is the number, and I truly appreciate getting you folks to call. I know a lot of you are nervous. The number one reason I get in emails is people say, people would recognize my voice. Change your voice. Andrew, get one of those little voice simulators. You know, something. Can't afford it unless we fire Eric. All right, well, we do what we got to do, that's all. All right. All right. Don't let Jenny get away. 877-57-EQUAL. Most of you do not know people in your direct social circle that are hungry or that lack shelter or that uh, are of great material need in some way. You don't know that. I mean, you know a lot of people who are struggling emotionally or socially or familially, but you don't know anybody like in our Lord's time when they estimate that a high percentage of the Palestinian population didn't know where the next meal was coming from. So when our Lord talked about that stuff, it was very every day. It's not every day to us. We have the exact opposite problem. We have so much that we're all overweight. So what can you give other people in your circle? The ones that take up about 90% of your social contacts, spouses, children, adult relatives, co-workers. What's one thing you can give them? You can give them your personality. Uh, what do you mean by that, Dr. Ray? Well, for example, I'll just, I'll just pick one trait that probably among the traits puts most people off and really damages this idea that uh, you want them to think you're a follower of Christ. Are you prickly? Are you prickly? In other words, are you sensitive for what someone might say? You don't want to hear it. It's unfair. You shouldn't say that about me. Are you prickly? Are you, are you quick to take offense? People don't like being around people like that. Anybody will tell you in media, any kind of media, even Catholic media, you better have a thick skin. Because if you don't, if you're prickly, you're going to get out of this business real fast. Because there's going to be a lot of people who are going to say things. 
Hey, I had somebody criticize me. It was 1994, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Are you prickly? Can you answer that question objectively? Or would you say, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not prickly. Keeping in mind, we are very soft on ourselves. We don't look at ourselves in a hard way. We don't like doing that. We got to protect the ego. But prickly people don't really attract others. After a while, they get tired of being around you. I've had a lot of calls on this radio program where people will say, I've been friends with this person for 22 years and she's just getting so difficult and I have to watch what I say. That's right. You don't want people to have to watch what they say around you. They don't say it right. Or they give an opinion that's at odds with your own. Or take it to an extreme. They say nasty stuff. How prickly are you? How much can you let roll off? Dr. Ray, they shouldn't say that stuff. That's not nice, it's not pleasant, and it's mean. Well, might be. But how upset are you going to get by it? See, if you demand that people not say things that will upset you, Ooh, that's one of the quickest ways to become prickly. It really is. If you kind of expect that people can say anything about you at any time, for whatever the reason, I guarantee you, you won't be quite as prickly. You want people to want to be around you. You want them to recognize that your Christianity, your faith-filledness, comes across in easygoingness. That you're not easily offended. You're not easily hypervigilant to somebody saying something, somehow, some way you don't like. It doesn't win friends and influence people. To quote the late Norman Vincent Peale. So, got a lot of calls up there, and I'm so very glad that you called. Look, way out west, too. Most of them out west. So, I'm Dr. Ray. Andrew is uh, screaming your calls. 877-573-7825. Brought to you by the nonprofit Seton Home Study. Hi, everybody. Dr. Ray Garendi here. You thinking about homeschooling? Seton Homeschooling, 40 years of experience, 17,000 current students, pre-K through high school. They provide the books, the lesson plan, the counselors, the grading services, the tests, that's right, pretty much everything. My wife and I use Seton, some of our children. I'll tell you this, two of them got perfect ACT scores in verbal. And overall, the Seton students scored more than 100 points above average on the SAT. Over 30% higher on English and reading on the ACT. It's a rigorous program. You want to give the very best to your kids? Trust me on this one. Go with Seton. It is a beautifully rigorous academic program. Go to seatonhome.org. That is seatonhome.org. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health sharing community. 
Plus, Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. All right, I'm going to put this out. I don't normally want to be prickly about this. We've got some very intriguing calls up there. And I know that for whatever the reason, sometimes people have to drop, they have to leave, maybe their cell drops. But I'm going to get to all of you. So I ask your patience because there's some definitely, there's some definitely some stuff up there that uh, I want to, I want to, I was going to say tackle, but that's pretty violent. Fran from Minnesota. I just want to give Fran a little tidbit about Minnesota. Bloomington's Mall of America is so big, it's in Minnesota, that if you spend 10 minutes in each store, you'd be there almost. How's that, Fran, huh? Did you know that? That? No, I did not know that. Thank you. See that? that you call the done. show, you'll learn something. I feel like the pressure's off now because I don't have to give you any good advice. I already gave you some. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, can you help me with my question? But I, well, wait, Fran, that sounds like you're experiencing <laughs> doubt that I might not be able to. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, okay, so I'm not one to go to confession, but I have gone lately, and my biggest um, confess is the hate, the pure hate I feel for our politicians and the transgender show in front of the Dodger game. That was, to me, that I saw Satan, and the priest tells me I have to love those people. Well, there's several levels, and I'm really hesitant, Fran, to help you out, because you express doubt right off the bat, which I, I'm hurt, but I'm going to get over it. There are several levels, my dear, to your question. Let's take the most generic one. You might be confusing what love means. If you think it means I have to feel warm and ushy-gushy toward those folks, then you're right. You're going to have a hard time loving them. But if you view love as, I hope and pray they see the error of their ways, that's love. So, is it safe to say you would wish that they would see the error of their ways. Well, of course. Okay. 
You're not saying to yourself, you know what? I hope they just keep acting the way they're acting so they roasted hell. You're not saying that. Well. Well, I know it's tempting, but... But you're not, you're, 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 I know what you're saying. You're saying, I hope they get theirs, is what you're saying. But. No, I, I, no, I'm more like freaked out because I feel like I'm seeing Satan. You may. That may be. I, I'm becoming more and more convinced that the role and the influence of Satan in our modern culture here is really getting pretty heavy, pretty pervasive. I, it's got to be. There's, you, you can't rationally explain a lot of this stuff. So that's the first thing. You've got to watch how you define love. Second thing, in some respects, if indeed these people are far from God, if they are power-hungry, self-seeking, if they perpetuate evil, then they could be in very big trouble when they stand before God. Now, I'm not judging what their state of their soul is, but I wouldn't want to be continuously behaving that way and then counting on God to go, ah, ah, you were just slightly mistaken. Don't worry about it. So in that sense, I know you're not going to believe this, Fran, but you almost might want to feel a bit sorry for them. They're lost. They're lost. I'm trying. I'm trying to have my heart do okay. that. Yeah, I also that, sometimes feel angry. I'm adding a little something here. I'll I'll quit. I also wish our priests, if there would have been like 40 priests praying next to these transgenders making fun of the sisters, I think that would be pretty powerful. And I wish the priests would come out more and defend our faith. You're dealing with humanness, Fran. Um, was Christ God? Yes. Did he have a uh, a perfect understanding of human nature? Oh. Yes, right. Of course he did. Yeah. He's God. Okay. Of course yeah. he did. Right. <laughs> did he? Did he pick twelve guys? Yes. Now. One of those guys betrayed him. One of those guys swore an oath to a slave girl that he didn't even know him. And the other ten ran and hid. Now, what's going on here? This is God picking his followers, and this is how they acted. So I guess what I'm saying here, Fran, is that if you upset yourself over people who act counter to the faith that they proclaim, you're going to really be upset all the time. The other thing I would suggest, too, if you're immersed in the news and you're immersed in all the trash and the sewage that's coming at you 24-7, cut Mm -hmm. way back on it, friend. Go out and mow your lawn. Cut it out. You know how you're going to vote. I have, but it's there. I'm, of course it's there. But, you know, it's interesting because the church has a teaching. And I don't, I don't know if this is the case because it's a big, big, wide world. But the church says, in the end, it's going to get pretty ugly. That's what the church says. Uh-huh. It's always taught that. Now, I don't know if we're in the end. It's been pretty ugly throughout human history. But if, if 
all this stuff is is coming to a head okay then that's only prophecy here's what i would say to you next time you feel so hostile toward these people here's what i want you to tell god dear lord thank you that i know what i know thank you that you have allowed me to see you and to love you and to want to serve you because the more you look around you and you more the more you see lost people the more grateful you got to be for what you've been given yeah so, i like yeah. that i'll try yeah. that i knew if i talked on long enough i'd give you something yeah yeah it was the last thing you said that i buy <laughs> Andrew, that's a good one. Flag that one. All right, friend. Thank you, dear. All right, thank you. All right, bye. bye. Oh, see, we had Jenny from Denver who dropped again. She was burned out because of the lack of desire and ability to work against personal conflict. Yeah, doggone it, Jenny. Come on. Come on back. All right. Paul from Buffalo, New York. Now, Paul, there is a there is a statement that's very I, it's it's very axiomatic, and it says this. Dumb people do not learn from their mistakes. Smart people learn from their mistakes. Really smart people learn from the mistakes of others. Hi, Paul. Hey, Dr. Ray. Yeah, I think I've heard that once or twice before, and it's really difficult to remember that the reason we have to experience things ourselves to learn because it smacks us emotionally yeah you know while i was sitting here waiting i was thinking to myself uh of asking you if this could be uh you know when people okay we follow the uh, the order of things like uh, obeying our elders. And uh, so I was wondering if the chance might be that uh, I myself, when I look back or think about things, or I was told by uh, elders that I was being disobedient. So I'm trying to burn my own path at the age of 17 and then now that i'm at the age that i was being told by the elders then uh now you're the I, elder uh, i'm the elder and i, I view it as disobedient as the younger people being disobedient is is there any <laughs> what do you think of that <laughs> i don't know if they're being disobedient I, they're they're exerting their free will in other words Yes, there are God's laws that they would need to obey, but my laws, which oftentimes is my preferences and my desires and my wants for somebody else, they don't have to obey. Right, we got to watch out for that. We don't want to dictate to others that's, how they what they should that, think or that's right or believe. Right, right. right. So we have to have the uh, respect right. for a person's free will. Well, but, your your frustration is coming from the fact, and it's it's kind of like our previous caller. Uh, you're coming from the fact that that people are not going to act well. Uh, they're not. 
And so, therefore, if you if you get immersed in that and you say, why can't they act better? Why can't they do this right? Why do they have to be like? You're going to be miserable. You just flat out be miserable. So how do we, uh, as the elder, um, cope better with that kind of a thing? Any suggestions? Yeah. I consider myself kind of an elder. And I give advice to those I think would be open to it. I do not spend a whole lot of time trying to persuade people that it's very clear they don't want to hear it. Very clear. And as I've gotten older, I've gotten better at separating the two. Earlier, rather than pounding my head against a cinder block wall to persuade somebody to be better for themselves or for others. That's one of my guidelines. This is Dr. Ray. Living the Beatitudes with Father Bjorn. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. We get what we look for. St. Therese of Lisieux has an interesting insight on this. Once in a discussion over the possibility of avoiding purgatory, the future saint told another member of her community, Sister Maria Fabronia, that God was more father than judge. And in this discussion, debate, she finally took the liberty of saying to the other sister, If you look for the justice of God, you will get it. The soul will receive from God exactly what she desires. Are we full of wounds and anger and hurt, and do we want to inflict that on other people? Are we allowing God to heal us? If we receive his mercy, we have to show it to others. The Beatitudes are the heart of Jesus' message. Let's be transformed by them. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. For more about the Beatitudes, visit EWTNRC.com. What is the essence of the fourth commandment? In ordering us to honor our mother and our father, the Lord God has willed that after him we should revere our parents to whom we owe life and who have handed on to us the knowledge of God. The Catholic Catechism says the fourth commandment shows us the order of charity. It introduces the subsequent commandments concerned with special respect for life, marriage, earthly goods, and speech. It constitutes one of the foundations of the social doctrines of the Church. It is expressed specifically to children regarding their relationships to their parents because it is the most universal, but it also involves ties of kinship to the extended family and encompasses duties to elders, ancestors, pupils to teachers, employees to employers, citizens to their country, and to those who govern it. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Easy listening, cool. Which is the exact opposite of me, which is not easy listening and uncool. I'm Dr. Ray Grandy. Thank you so much for joining me. Good questions up there. Please be patient. Judy from Port Orange. Port Orange. Now you expect you'd expect that from Florida. Port Orange. Hi, Judy. Hi, Doc. 
I really like your common sense. You're a good guy. What? That's it. That's the Here only compliment. You, the only compliments you're going to give me. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I lay. I laid aside the first two minutes for compliments. <laughs> I should have made that list last night. Ah. <laughs> uh, what are, what are you all frustrated about here, my dear? Yeah, I'm in my own way. Um, aren't I'm we all? Aren't it. we all? I, yeah, but I'm old enough not to be. <laughs> so, okay. I'm 68, been a nurse for 30 years. Um, I moved my location 20 years ago, got myself to Florida, got myself to the beach, Raised two beautiful girls, responsible mothers, everything. I Right now, I still have to work three days a week because, you know, Social Security is not quite enough. But I'm like, what the heck? That's it for me? I'm 68. I would still like a fenced-in yard that I could have a dog run around in. Um, oh, you remember that song by Peggy Lee? You remember that song by Peggy Lee? Oh, uh, give me refresh my memory. Is that all there is? Yes. <laughs> you know, my, Judy, at some level, it is. It is it all is, there is. Oh my God! You, Damn. you, wait a minute now. Now, God gave you the intelligence, the education, the ability. And most of all, the faith to work for 30 years as a nurse to help people. And you did that. You're faithful in doing that. And you're saying yeah, to yourself, there's got to there, be more. There's got to be more. Well, what, what, do you, what, what do you mean? What, what do you, just a fenced-in yard and a dog. Not even that much. Well, can you do it? No. I live in a subdivision where you can't have densities. I don't have enough savings to move. I don't have enough savings to retire. I have about a hundred grand. That's about it. Well, there's two and then things. I just believe it. What? Two things. One is, you say I would like to have a fenced-in yard with a dog. Okay, that's perfectly reasonable. I would like to have a fenced-in yard with a dog. Where you're being unreasonable is you're saying, mm-hmm. if I don't have a fenced-in yard with the dog, I'm going to be unhappy. Okay, I'm, I'll buy that, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, you got to decide, am I going to be unhappy if I don't have a fenced-in yard with a dog? Or, or whatever it is you want. I'm, sh- I'm sure that's not the only thing. I think what you're saying is, okay... I'm 68 years old. My life on this earth uh, is not like it was when I was 28, and I just looked ahead of me indefinitely for years and years and years and years. Okay, I got that. Yeah, I'm the same age as my patients now. Well, sure. But in the same, at the same time, you have something that many of them do not have, and you have faith in Christ, which yeah, means, well, which means you've been given up an infinite gift here. And all the other things that fall short in your life that you're looking at and say, well, I would like that, or I wish I would have had that, or this didn't happen, or that didn't happen, or here's where I am at age 68, and it just seems like something's missing. Mm-hmm. You're you making to cry. <laughs> oh, I, most, I make most people cry, but it's usually because I say something dumb. <laughs> 
But that's got to be taken in the context of what you've been given. You've been given an infinite gift. Look what you know. What? What? The fact that you were born in a time and place to hear about Christ, to believe in Christ, the grace to believe in Christ, to persevere. Yeah, but I die to get that. No, you don't. See, that there's another mistake you're making, which is, well, okay, when I die, I'll be infinitely happy, but right now I got to go through misery. Yeah, yeah. No, you, says who? You, me. <laughs> well, that, but you're not exactly the most uh, reasonable person to listen to about this. No. <laughs> you're, you're struggling. I know I'm in my own way. Well, then if you are in your own way, you need to ask yourself, what am I doing to myself? See, don't yeah. don't say what? don't don't say the situations that are occurring around me will make me miserable and there's nothing I can do about it. That that has that makes no sense. You are interpreting all these situations around you. You're you're adding meaning to them that's making you unhappy. And you need to look at what you're saying about this instead of saying you know i've been given 68 years of life many people if not most people in human history have never lived to be 68 years of life i have right i have a profession most people don't have a profession i made decent money i was a nurse i was educated my gosh i got so much but you're not doing that Mm -hmm. you're focusing on what i don't have and then it makes you miserable well that's done Now I'm going. I'm, go- I'm going to tell you. Here's what. You- here's what you just Don't did. Back, Doc. This I know, baby. This is this is the danger in talking to a shrink. Because the first things you said when you called to talk to me were, uh, "I really like you, and you make such good sense, right?" Yeah, well, you that's- do. You do. Okay, that's what you said. You do. So then I went on to give you some ideas, and you're thinking. Yeah, well, I don't know if I don't tell if that I don't know if that's going to work. I just don't think that, that makes any sense. So I see what you're saying here. So I make good sense with other people, but not with you. All right. Well, I know intellectually. I think, you know. Well, then keep pounding it into your emotions. People always say that. I know it intellectually. Well, good. That's, that's what you want to know because you want to believe it intellectually. If, if I say to you, you know, Judy, you jump off of that 70-story building, you're going to splat. Well, I know that intellectually. Well, I'll tell you, you better believe it. Because if you jump off that building, you're going to hit. So you're saying, well, I know it intellectually that God has given me all kinds of gifts. Well, then you better yeah. believe it. Then you better believe it. When, when somebody right. says, I know it intellectually, what they're saying is, I don't believe it. Yeah. There you go. So, there you are, my dear. Whatever I could offer you, throw at you. Um, Ponder it. Hopefully it sinks in. But remember this. You tell the Lord, thank you for all you've given me. And help me not to focus on what I think I didn't get. 877-573-7825. This is Dr. Ray. Thank you for your kind patience.
Connection with Teresa Tomio. Jesus Christ, as I say in my book, Extreme Makeover, Women Transformed by Christ, Not Conformed to the Culture, is the biggest woman's lipper that ever walked the earth. He was well ahead of his time in the way he related to women, the way he spoke to women, the way he included women in his ministry. If you don't believe me, go to the Gospel of John and read the encounter of the Samaritan woman. Jews did not mix with Samaritans. And yet there Jesus was sitting in a well, the Samaritan woman comes along. And she is coming at the middle of the day because she's living a very, very questionable life. She's coming to the well to avoid the looks and the stares and the comments and the gossip. She comes at midday when pretty much no one would be around except there is God waiting for her at the well. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Have you ever wondered why your hair turns gray? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. Proverbs 16 teaches us that gray hair is a crown of glory. According to NYU, we get gray hairs because some of our stem cells near the hair follicles get stuck as we age, so they lose their ability to mature and keep their color. Someday, researchers may be able to find a way to reverse these stuck stem cells and turn the hair color switch back on. For now, the upside to having some gray, well, it can make us look wise. I'm not sure that works in my case. Just ask my wife. Another upside, too, the average cost of hair coloring at a salon is $75 to $200 plus each time. Think of the savings over time. Yes, it's good to have gray or white hair. Just ask anyone who's bald. Check out the Journey Strong tab for more on gray hair and this study at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Ray Grady. Time's gone too fast. Max from New Mexico. Hi, Max. Hello. How are you doing, Dr. Ray? Okay, sir. Now, you asked an intriguing question. You said that if, in fact, you disagree or or question, maybe question is a better word, the uh, church's stance on something, would that be comparable to you disagreeing with me and then jumping the line? Uh, yeah, it depends on how intense your disagreement and and how key the issue. So what are you what are you questioning about the about the church's stance on baptism for kids? So I read Dante's Inferno. And that had the section in limbo with the souls of the unbaptized children. Mm-hmm. And that led me doing research into what the Church actually teaches on that. And in section 1261, I believe, of the Catechism, it says, We don't know what happens to the souls of the unbaptized children, but we can trust that they're going into the hands of a merciful God, and we can hope that there is a way for salvation, for their salvation. That answer honestly seems pathetic to me because they're, they've committed no fault of their own. It's original sin, and there was no way for them to obtain baptism. Like, what if it was a child who had been aborted? It doesn't—considering that it's a just God, it doesn't make sense for them to be anywhere except heaven. So I was wondering what you thought about that. 
The church is leaving open, of course, that God will handle these kids, will accept these kids with mercy into heaven. However, one of the one of the teachings of the church is really grounded in Scripture. Uh, for example, uh, at the end of I believe it's Mark, I think the Gospel of Mark, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Okay, so you got a verse like that, or you have a verse. Uh, I think it's in a letter of Peter where he says this corresponds to baptism which now saves you. So there's a whole bunch of verses in Scripture talking about the necessity of baptism. And the church figures, okay, exactly the question you raised, Max. Uh, what, what about the, the, the vast majority of people, children, uh, who have never been baptized? It's exactly right. What, what happens here? And the church says, we don't know how God handles this. They're not going to make the call for God. They're not going to say, therefore, God, you have to do this because we think it's what you should do. No, I say, God will take care of this better than we would. And that's what the church is saying. So does that mean that there's a possibility that all all the aborted children could, like, be in hell because they didn't get baptized? Well, if you say that, you're, you're, you're forced to deal with the reality that uh, for much of human history, about 50% of kids died before the age of five. And the percentage of spontaneous abortions in human history, not just, not just chosen abortions, spontaneous abortions, is sky high. Yeah. So now you've got countless, countless, countless millions upon millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of souls that never had the chance to be baptized. Well, does this fit with a fair, just God? No, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. What we know about God is he's infinitely fair, infinitely just. So we can extrapolate from that logically and say, well, he must have some way of dealing with this that we know nothing about or how he's going to handle it. We, we trust that he's all merciful and all fair. Okay. I can I can live with that. Rather than saying, well, wait a minute, God, you you know, hold on a second, man. These kids didn't do anything wrong. Welcome them straight to heaven. But okay, Max, long long as we're talking along these lines, let me something let me give you something I've wrestled with. Okay. For most of human history, most people did not live after conception, did not live to the age of reason or adulthood. They either died in childhood, high, high, high infant mortality rates, or spontaneous abortions, okay? Which means that you and I, who are adults and who have been put in a position to choose for or against God, we're the minority, the majority, oh. yeah, the majority, if you're looking at it that way, in essence, gets a free ride. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. This is why I'm the host and you're not. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, yeah, I've wrestled with that one. 
Why, why have you wrestled with that, though? I don't think I'm clear. I don't think I'm well, following that part. Well, because well, I, I haven't wrestled with it in the sense of a doubt, but I pondered it in the sense of, wow, I'm a minority. That, that I have, I have given, I've been given the ability and the knowledge to choose for or against God and Christ. The majority of the world doesn't have that choice. You, you grow up in India or China, you've already got close to uh, approximately nearly 3 billion people, which is close to half the world's population, who are being raised, and they, most of them don't, don't have any experience with Christ or God. So now what? Yeah. Church, has, church has a beautiful teaching on that. Church says, God holds you accountable for what you know and your circumstances. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. why. Thank that. you for taking my question. Hey, you're welcome, Max. I'll talk to you, man. Okie dokie. Um, I got to go. Well, I better take a break. And then when we come back, it's, it's awful nice of you people to be as patient as you are. This is Dr. Ray. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything? even things you don't believe in, there are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health sharing community. Plus, Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. Underwritten in part by this not-for-profit. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. For Christians, love was central to everything. Because before the creation of the universe, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit lived in all eternity, communicating in love between themselves. This is going on before there's ever a moment that we refer to as in the beginning. So Christianity introduces into the history of human thought this idea that love is underneath it all. In fact, Luke Berry, this atheist philosopher writer, says it's quite clear that without this Christian belief, that love is at the center of things. We would not have our human rights revolution that we talk about today. We take this for granted. You know, we have gay rights and women's rights and transgender rights and minority rights and this right and that right. There'd be no rights whatsoever without the incarnate Son of God. Cresta in the afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, we just, everybody, everybody is calling in to weigh in on that one. My wife sent me this from the Catechism 1257. The Lord himself affirms that baptism is necessary for salvation. He also commands his disciples to proclaim the gospel to all nations and to baptize them. Baptism is necessary for salvation for those to whom the gospel has been proclaimed and who have had the possibility of asking for this sacrament. 
The church does not know of any means other than baptism that assures entry into eternal beatitude. This is why she takes care not to neglect the mission she has received from the Lord to see that all who can be baptized are, quote, reborn of water and the Spirit. This is a great line here. God has bound salvation to the sacrament of baptism, but he himself is not bound by his sacraments. Judy's so patient. Judy's been waiting forever. Hi, Judy. Hi. Um, hey. Yes, ma'am. I'm going to give you the question first and then a little background. I'm yes, wondering ma'am. how my husband and I as Christians should participate in my upcoming daughter's wedding next summer. She is. We're in a good relationship with her and her fiancé, who is a woman, and my daughter is bisexual. Um, she knows the Christian stance on this, and she has the older sisters that we've paid for weddings and fully participated, walked down the aisle, toasted, danced with father and, and so on. And I'm just conflicted about how to participate. Are you Catholic, Judy? No. Okay. Well, the Catholic Church would be very clear. You can't participate at all. This is not a marriage. The Catholic Church views marriage as between a man and a woman, ordained by God. I don't know. I'd have to claim ignorance on how your particular denomination or your particular independent church would see this. My sense is that most in the Protestant tradition have a much more loose view of this. Although, if you are of an evangelical bent, or a fundamentalist bent, or Baptist bent, it may be that uh, that your pastor, or, or whatever teaching you can find, because it varies widely, widely in the Protestant world, um, to decide what to do. The Catholic Church would be very clear what to do. Okay, this is not a marriage, um, whatever she calls it, but it's not a marriage. But now, If it's a civil union, does that make any difference? You know, versus, I mean, have a civil servant versus having a church wedding? Or... I think what you're really saying is you are understandably deathly afraid that you'll lose your daughter. Mm-hmm. That, that she will view this as, I'm definitely second class because the other siblings got marriages and got mom's involvement. But since I choose to union with someone of the same sex, here comes mom's Christianity being judgmental and saying, therefore, you can't love who you want to love. Um, I feel at a loss, Judy, to give you thoughts on this because I don't know and I may be way off on this, but I, I don't know how your particular Christian perspective would respond to this. I, I think most Christians would view it as this is not a marriage. Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, we get this all the time, but here's something to consider. Think about this. Let's say that you tell your daughter, I love you, but I cannot witness this. 
This is this is not how God wants it to be. I would bet, maybe I'm wrong, your daughter wouldn't say, Mom, I understand. I certainly understand. You've got you've got to be true to your own beliefs and I and I respect that. Almost always in these situations, the person who is not partaking is skewered, is attacked, is shunned, uh, is eliminated from the other person's life, Um, which is interesting because your daughter says, accept what I believe, and you're saying, well, accept what I believe. And she's saying no. And then she says to you, well, you're not accepting what I believe. So, but you're not writing her off. You know, you you wouldn't say, okay, if you have this civil union with this woman, I'm not going to say get out of my life. You're not going to do that. Is there the risk she would do that to you? Well, I have, I know one woman who, you know, told the daughter they, they can't accept this and so on and so forth. She did tell her at some point, you know, God told me to tell you it's going to be all right. And she ended up being with a man, had a baby. It's not with that man anymore. And I just, I, my gut is saying the pressure to change, it worked practically, but it was to please her parents. And she's not a very happy person at this point. Christianity has traditionally always understood, and it is it is only more among certain main lines, if I could be generalizing, that would accept mm-hmm. same-sex unions. The vast majority of Christianity, right. especially throughout history, has said this is not a marriage in the eyes of God. Okay. So... Your, pres- your presence there is saying, I, I witness it. I, I accept mm-hmm. it. I confirm it. And then you have, you have to decide. You know, many, many, many people are now in this position. Oh, so, so, so many. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the irony of it all is you're not permitted to say, this is what I deeply believe. And, and I, I have to live according to my beliefs. You're probably not permitted to do that. And, and that's... That's the irony of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So. God bless you, Judy. Thank All right, get some good guidance on that. Oh, gosh, there's so many good calls up there. I still can't get to them. So, uh, yeah, I'd like to go to Tom. I'd like to go to Mary Ann. But call back, please. You will be first up down the road. Thanks, Andrew Kruchek, for all that you do on that end as the producer man. Thanks to EWTN and Ave Maria Radio Network for producing this program, allowing me to be with you and to hear what you have to say about a whole range of things. <sighs> Lord said they hated me, they're going to hate you. That's what he said. Walk with God. That's the eternal walk. Dr. Ray. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. 
The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.